The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. Hitting for power. Check. Lockdown starting pitching. Check. Dominant relief pitching. Check. Clean good defense. Check. And most importantly, easy Royals victory. Another check. We could get used to this. Welcome into Clubhouse Conversation. It's your dish for game one against the Colorado Rockies. And yeah, a game that was the first game of the season, for me at least, that felt like the second half of last year all over again. As all facets of the game were working for the Royals, and they went on to an easy 5-1 to victory over the Rockies. And something about this game, I just never thought the Royals had any chance of losing it. I was just confident. I had a good feeling about it. Something... Like some premonition in me says the Royals are going to rattle off 10 to 15. You may laugh, but we'll go through it here in a second and I'll tell you why. But yeah, tonight, 5 to 1 for the Royals, beginning with that 1 2 3 top of the first for James Shields, who typically is one of those classic guys where if you don't get him early, you don't. And that's how it was tonight. He mowed him down 1 2 3 on about 10 pitches in that first inning. And he silenced perhaps the best hitting team in baseball, at least thus far. Going seven one-run innings, scattering five hits. How about eight strikeouts for James Shields, including number 1,500 and 1,501 for his career? Zero walks. And James Shields needed just 98 pitches to lower his ERA to 2.54 during those seven innings. Fantastic pitching by James Shields. This is why they got him. This is the kind of game. Hopefully we'll see some of these against Detroit later on in the year because Shields has struggled against Detroit. That's the one knock on him since it came over. With the Royals, if you think back to that you know, game in late August, early September last year in the Friday night at Kauffman Stadium, and then the game just on the last homestand against the Tigers. Other than that, though, Shields has been pretty darn good, and this was the kind of big game they imagined when they got him. Now, how about some credit for Wade Davis? Can we finally have the haters eat some crow when it comes to Wade Davis? Not to be confused with Aaron Crow, who was also great tonight, but Wade Davis first. Let's talk about him, the Wade Davis show. That's what it's been lately. You realize the man now is averaging two strikeouts per inning? Do you understand that? Two strikeouts per inning, 22 Ks and 11 innings for Wade Davis. His ERA is now at 2.08. But Davo, one time he had a wild throw to home plate that cost the Royals a game earlier this year. Get over it. Get over last year. Wade Davis has been a good, proven Major League reliever going back to his days at the Tampa Bay Rays. Perhaps never this nasty, though. Not the way he's pitching right now. That curveball is buckling. Fastball blowing by, guys. The cutter looking good. Wade Davis, how about that? 2.08 ERA now. Two strikeouts per inning. And he is becoming very Luke Hochaver-esque at the end of last season. Maybe perhaps another reason why it seems like it's late 2013 again. And then, yeah, Aaron Crow, he did allow a walk with one out there in the ninth inning, but punched out two and the scoreless inning of relief. So for the night, let's recap. Royal pitching against this red-hot Rockies offense. Nine innings, one run, five hits, 12 strikeouts, one walk. I could look at that all day. How about those Royals tonight, pitch-wise, against the Rockies? And, you know, you talk about pitch-wise, but how about offensively? What have we been harping on, and rightfully so, all year? The punch and Judy single attack. We've been talking about that, how it's cost the Royals several games, the lack of extra base hits. Well, finally tonight, the Royals see what the home run ball can do from firsthand as three of their five runs came directly off of home runs, including that big, no-doubt shot off of the bat of Lorenzo Cain. 
in the fourth that scored Danny Valencia. And then a solo home run for Salvador Perez then in the fifth inning. The Royals added in a double there as well. Three of KC's eight hits were extra base hits. And yes, they accounted, like I said, for three of the five runs. How about Lorenzo Cain cranking that ball out of the park? He is such an underrated part of this Royals team, isn't he? Not only does he have to be the best defensive center fielder currently in the game of baseball. Now, granted, we see him every day. Granted, I'm a little bit biased, but I can't imagine anybody plays a better center field when they're healthy than Lorenzo Cain. But the guy at the, at the current moment, small sample size, and it's only one you know facet offensively, but he's hitting 318 with that gold glove caliber defense. I've always thought Kane was a guy that could develop into a 13 to 16 home run a year guy at the major league level consistently. Now, maybe that'll happen. Maybe it won't. The funny thing was right before he cranked that ball tonight, I was thinking to myself, wow, you know, at one point I thought this guy would be, you know, a semi power hitter for center field and he, and it hasn't happened. And what do you know about three minutes later, he cranks a home run. So hopefully that's a sign of things to come for Lorenzo Kane. Hopefully he can stay healthy because that's the big deal with him. If he's healthy, he's giving you a gold glove defense and the majority of the time, good at bat. So good job there for Locaine. And give the Royals some credit tonight, too, for their offensive approach against Franklin Morales, who lasted just five innings, 99 pitches in five innings. The Royals tacked him for four runs, eight hits, four walks. Honestly, probably should have had even more against him than the four runs they scored, but we'll take it. You got him out of the game after five. You worked him for four walks. You hit a couple long balls on him. This is the kind of offensive approach I'm talking about. Take some pitches up there. I saw some guys, especially Salvador Perez, seem to consciously be taking pitches, consciously, not even just taking pitches as we talked about before, but having a plan up there at the plate. A lot of these guys did tonight, and that was exciting to see for the Royals. Just, just a really good game tonight. A clean game. No real spectacular plays defensively, but all the plays were made. The pitching was locked down. The offense had some big hits, a couple home runs. The Royals are now back to 500 at 19 and 19 a lot to like. And now, as I mentioned earlier, I can see the Royals going 10-5 and five during this important 15-game stretch. You've got 12-15 at home, a nine-game homestand now, then three in Anaheim and back for three against the Astros. I think the Royals are going 10-5 and five on this key 15-game stretch. And that puts them where? Four over 500 heading into late May would be very good for the Royals. Probably put them at that moment, which doesn't really mean anything, but at that moment into the, at least that final wild card spot, you would think. Granted, it's late May. I'm, I understand that. But the Royals are back to 500. I think they're going to win tomorrow. I have a good feeling about tomorrow. Jason Vargas is on the hill. Facing off with Juhulius Chichen, 25 years old from Venezuela. 6'3", right-hander. Only has two appearances this year. He's gone 11 innings. Allowed six runs on 12 hits. Six walks, six Ks, 4.91 ERA. Again, my favorite phrase on Clubhouse Conversation. Lack of sample size, but... Nothing about this guy would seem to scare you. A walk every other inning, a strikeout every other inning, more hits and innings pitch, right-hander. I got a feeling Mike Moustakis might do something big tomorrow. He'll be back in the lineup. I don't want to talk too much about Moose not going down to Omaha. I think it could have been done. I understand why the Royals kept him up here, although I do think he's down to his last 10 days for now if he continues to struggle. If his average goes down in the 130s, 120s, the Royals will have to make a change, or if he makes an error or two, 
because they now have a giant spotlight on them. The front office does, Ned Yost does, and even Moose does. I hope like hell he turns it around. I, th- I got a weird feeling he may get a couple knocks tomorrow, a big hit tomorrow. Hopefully tomorrow could be one of those games that turns his season around. And at this point, something like that can help turn his career around. So we'll keep drinking the Kool-Aid here on Clubhouse Conversation. Good feeling that we get that win tomorrow. Just something about it. I just I feel like tonight was the start of something good. The Royals stuck with their guy, which probably fired up the clubhouse a little bit, kept the guys unified because I think they all like Moose. The Royals got a nice, you know, not nice, a fantastic game from James Shields, fantastic from the bullpen, hit for some power. You're back home knowing you have 12 of 15 here. This had to feel like last year for the guys tonight too. Just a good feeling about this one. I think the Royals go 6-3 and three on this homestand. A sweep of the Rockies. We'll say a split against Baltimore this weekend and two of three from Chicago. I'll say six and three in this homestand. I'm going to say two out of three in Anaheim. But then two out of three at home against Houston. We'll give a game to Houston. We're not going to predict a sweep. Houston's probably bound to get one of the six games against the Royals this year. But I'm saying 10 and five. That's a 10 and five. If you take a sweep of the Rockies, a split to Baltimore, two out of three with the White Sox, two out of three with Anaheim, and two out of three with the Astros. And yes, I'm fully aware that is five series in a row of winning baseball. And six of seven, if you count San Diego and the split in there with Seattle. So am I getting ahead of myself? Probably, but I just have a feeling, guys. I don't know what it is. I just got a feeling things are turning around for the Royals. It's going to get exciting for us right now, and we hope to have you back here uh, once again on Clubhouse Conversation. Pretty much after every single game, I would say 145 out of the 162 or so. I will not be here tomorrow night because I will not be getting to see the entire game live. Once again, I'm not one of those guys who reads the box scores, doesn't watch the game. If I can't see a game in its entirety, I will not talk about it because I'm not qualified at that point, and it's just not you know right or fair to do that. So there will be no dish for tomorrow, but there should be an interview with Alex Gordon right here on Clubhouse Conversation. We'll talk to AG about a number of different things and a number of exciting former player interviews lined up for you. One this weekend, and you know the plan is here, one current player interview per week and one former player interview per week minimum, sometimes more than that, and dish after most games and most important moves here on Clubhouse Conversation. Bookmark us, tweet about us, at Royals Clubhouse is the Twitter. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. That's appreciated as well. Spread the word, Royals fans. Things are going to get fun around here on Clubhouse Conversation as we talk to all your favorite Royals current and past Get things through their eyes, the stories you can't find anywhere else. And, of course, my sometimes Kool-Aid, sometimes panicked (laughs) analysis after games here on Davo's Dish. Go Royals. Nice victory. And we will talk to you again with Alex Gordon, hopefully tomorrow. And then Thursday night, we'll recap game one against Baltimore. Good night.